Thanks for joining us on the Xamarin Podcast. It's the 6th of March today and it's episode 10. And uh, I'm Chris Hardy. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisNTR. And I'm Pierce Bogan, a student at Auburn University in Alabama. Uh, my interests are mostly iOS, but I mess around with other platforms, including Android, Windows 8, and Windows Phone. Some of the news that we saw this week uh, was CarPlay, which is a new uh, way that you can integrate with your Apple devices um, using the Apple iOS. Do you want to tell us more about it, Pierce? Yeah, so basically all the really essential iOS functions that you would expect uh, to be in a car are going to be available through CarPlay. So uh, directions, calls, send and receive text messages, and listening to music. Um, so how would you control such a device? Well, obviously the obvious one is touch. Uh, a lot of the cars now have those little touch panes um, above the controls. Uh, you can also use voice, and if you have knobs or controls in your car, you can use that too. Uh, so they're planning on an extended rollout later, but in 2014 is going to be their initial rollout uh, to Ferrari, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, and Volvo models. Obviously, those would be select models, not all, but uh, CarPlay is also compatible with the iPhone 5 and above. Uh, so that's the 5, the 5S, and the 5C. Yeah, I think it's an interesting concept. It's kind of strange that, you know, you ha if you have an Apple device, you have your car with um, CarPlay built in, but what happens if you do want to go over to Windows Phone or Android? That's probably going to cause some problems or issues there. So whilst I think it sounds like a nice idea to have all your iOS and Apple devices directly integrated into your car, it sounds like it could be pro problematic down the road. Yeah, I think we're moving towards one of these things where all these or Apple and Google at least, and even Microsoft are releasing technology for virtually everything. And so like if you have like a Android phone, but everything else you have is Apple, well, it's kind of hard to get them to sync between the two. And so you're kind of having to make these tough choices where, well, I want to go all Apple because I want the full experience or I have to go all Google. So we're kind of getting to that point where the technology is almost everywhere and you want to share everything almost everywhere. So you're, you're, we're getting to a point where you kind of have to make a decision, which kind of sucks. They did announce uh, some apps that they have. So you have Spotify and you have Skitcher and a few other apps that um, take advantage of CarPlay, but they didn't actually announce anything publicly on, on APIs that you could use within your app. So it seems like it's currently invite-only uh, to develop your app and make it CarPlay-friendly. Um, and on the similar lines with Apple releasing uh, new technology, um, Apple have actually acquired the company Bursley. Um, if you're not familiar with Bursley, you may be familiar with one of their products, uh, test flight. Um, if you're used to using Xamarin Studio, uh, you'll know that there's actually a test flight integration built in uh, for just iOS. They did allow Android support for their test flight service, but as of the 21st of March, they're actually going to be getting rid of it. Um, this is probably not a surprise since now Apple have acquired the company that uses that technology. Um, so a lot of people are kind of you know surprised. They were only in beta version for the Android integration, but now they've completely canned it because Apple are taking over. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was met with a lot of skepticism, at least with people who use TestFlight a lot, especially on Android. But I know for all developers, especially in the Apple eco ecosystem, testing has always been a real pain. You have to use external services like TestFlight or Hockey App or stuff like that. And hopefully this will help make the testing process a lot smoother because I know in the past it's been really kind of not very fluid. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, it does kind of suck they're not going to have Android support, but I'm looking forward to how that gets integrated into the Apple environment 
uh, for developers and hopefully they'll expand upon the service. One of the other things that people have been uh, eagerly awaiting was a Google Glass update for the uh, operating system that it runs. Uh, so currently it's running XE12 um, and back when they released XE12, Google announced that they were going to do monthly updates but they were actually going to do skip January and they were going to do an update in February. If you're familiar with releasing software and you're not really too sure when stuff's going to go out, it's probably best not to mention any dates. Um, so the Google Glass team had people on the uh, on the Explorer forums complaining that you know it's now nearing the end of Feb and there's no update, and it actually got down to the final day of Feb, 28th of Feb, and people were you know where where's the new XE14 update, blah blah blah. So um, Google Glass uh, team actually ended up posting a message saying, you know, we're not going to do a monthly release anymore. Um, we're going to get it, you know, when it's ready, we're going to push out releases. And some of the big announcements there really was that they were going to upgrade from Ice Cream Sandwich, which is currently Android 4.0.4 that Google Glass runs. And they're actually going to upgrade this to, to KitKat. So they're going to be running 4.4 on, on the glass. Um, some of the features uh, of KitKat apparently is better performance um, for devices and, and better battery life. Um, as well as, uh, I think, um, version 4.2 or 4.3 added in support for Bluetooth LE, so low-energy Bluetooth devices. So hopefully that will be coming to Google Glass. There's been no real confirmation whether Google Glass supports or doesn't support Bluetooth LE, uh, but hopefully with the KitKat release, this will be supported. So again, that would be much better for battery life with Google Glass. Yeah, and as we see Glass moving towards a more modern version of Android, uh, hopefully we're moving towards a period where it kind of gets released to people outside the Glass Explorer program like me, who kind of would like a cheaper option than the current $1,500 option. So I'm hoping that that period is near, especially with all your uh, articles and stuff on Google Glass and Xamarin.Android development. So speaking of that, Chris, has, uh, Chris who's joined with me right now, has uh, written a blog post entitled Git Scanning with Google Glass and use zebracrossing.net.mobile from Reddith or John Dick to scan a QR code. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so basically it's a very simple uh, way of scanning QR codes because there's no real text entry uh, that you can do with Google Glass and you can't enter in your password. And even if you could speak your password, it wouldn't understand the difference between so if you had a one in your password, you wouldn't know if you meant the number one or um, O-N-O-N-E. Um, so it's just a really easy way of showing a QR code and then whatever data is encapsulated within the QR code you put uh, as input on the device. Uh, so it's a very simple um, app that basically demonstrates how you can use the QR code scanning. Uh, something that I'm hoping that will come with the next release of, of uh, the Google Glass software when they upgrade it to KitKat would be that the SDK that they provide, the, the Glass Developers Kit, will just have QR code scanning built in. So you call an, uh, an intent, it goes and scans the QR code for you and gives you back the result. So you don't have to rely on a, on a third-party library for this functionality. Um, but if you want to develop and you know scan QR codes currently, uh, this is an article that allows you to, to do that. Shifting gears to iOS, Lance Bullock from Falafel Software, who's been featured in the Xamarin podcast before, has written a blog post about monotouch.dialog. So if you're not familiar with monotouch.dialog, you don't really work with 
uh, Xamarin.iOS, you're more a Xamarin.android type of person, or you uh, just haven't gotten the chance to dive into it. It is basically an abstraction developed by uh, Miguel uh, Indicaza uh, on top of a UI table view, and it's for Xamarin.iOS. And so if you've ever worked with the UI table view on iOS, they're a huge pain, especially if you're trying to do something incredibly simple. And so monotouch.dialog kind of fills that void and allows us to create some really customized UIs um, very simply without having to do, you know, the data source, the delegate, all that stuff that, that goes with creating a UI table view. So in this blog post, he mocks up a quick form using monotouch.dialog and shows uh, with a few lines of code how easy it is to get maybe a settings or entry form uh, set up. I personally am using a ton of monotouch.dialog stuff right now. So on the app that I'm working on right now, I'm using monotouch.dialog a lot for settings. Uh, and I know for my app at least, I have a really customized UI. And with the help of Nick Wise's Evolve 2013 talk, which is just pure gold if you're trying to get into monotouch.dialog, I've customized it pretty easily and definitely a lot easier than it would have been had I been working with UI table views. And the performance is great and it's just really clean code. It's very elegant. Uh, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. In the last episode of the podcast, we mentioned the Visual Studio Toolbox video uh, that had James Montemagno in. Um, and this week, there's another video available, and it's called Using Portable Class Libraries in iOS and Android. And it's part two of this four-part series with Robert Green um, from the Visual Studio Toolbox team. Um, and it basically is a deep dive into how you can share code uh, using the portable class libraries. And it's about, it allows you to share, you know, around 80% of your, of your business logic uh, using the portable class libraries. Um, so if you need to investigate on portable class libraries and you want to watch a video of this, then this is a really great place to start. Um, there's a lot of other content that we've seen around portable class libraries. Uh, do you want to name some of the other content that we've seen, Pierce? Sure. So Greg Shackles, another guy who's been uh, talked about in the past in the podcast, has written an article for Visual Studio Magazine entitled Using PCLs uh, in Xamarin.Android and iOS apps. So in this article, he provides a really good introduction to PCLs. If you've never worked with them, it'd be a really good place to start, uh, as well as an actual real-world example of building a PSCL uh, using the Open Weather Map API and the location providers for each platform. So if you're interested in PCLs, this might definitely be a good place to check out. Uh, we also have another article from James, who uh, was on Visual Studio Toolbox with Robert Green, and... James provides some tips and tricks. So there's a, some quirky stuff sometimes dealing with PCLs, and this uh, blog post definitely can help uh, to decipher some of those. It's a little less detailed than Greg's articles, but if you're looking for a more summarized view of working with PCLs, it's definitely a really good article to check out. Announced at Mobile World Congress uh, this last week was Nokia X. Uh, so if you've been following around Microsoft Technologies or Nokia in general, you've probably already heard of it, but it's pretty cool. Um, so basically, it's built on top of the Android open source project, which is uh, the level 16 API uh, right now, at least for Nokia X. And you can build Android apps for Nokia devices, uh, which is really cool. There are some weird little difference, differences between regular Android, regular Android, Google's version of Android that you would expect, and uh, Nokia X's, uh, because it is obviously leveraged from the Android open source project, so there's a few differences. But Nokia estimates that 75% of your apps are going to run without modification on uh, Nokia X, which is really cool. 
So if you've already written an Android app or Xamarin.Android app, uh, that might be something you want to look at. Uh, they have their own in-app payments and maps and a few other things uh, that aren't compatible with Google's, but besides that, the majority of your code probably would be portable over to the Nokia X platform, which is really cool. So if you're trying to use the Nokia X platform uh, with Xamarin.Android, uh, Xamarin's really good about same-day support, and they didn't fail here. So there, there's similar to the Glass component, there is a Nokia X component, actually several Nokia X components, available in the Xamarin component store. Uh, so that's pretty cool. If you want to get started with Nokia X development, that would definitely be a place to check out. Yeah, and something that we saw was uh, a blog post by Nathan Randall, who actually is part of the Nokia Mixed Radio team. So it's a music streaming service that's developed by Nokia, which allows you to basically play music on your device. And it's actually an app that's built using Xamarin. They had a Windows Phone app, then they had a Windows Store app, and they wanted to now go on the Nokia X device, so they needed a way of you know, really sharing that code, otherwise they would have to learn Android. And they managed to go and actually uh, build their app and port it over to the Nokia X platform using Xamarin, using the power of MVVM Cross and the portable class libraries. Um, so, and the, the app actually ships with all the Nokia X devices that they're they're shipping as well, so it's a really nice article to read. So if you want to also do this yourself, and as Pierce mentioned, there's some uh, Nokia X components. Uh, Mike Bluestein has a really nice article on how he's using the uh, Nokia X Here Maps API. So if you wanted to display maps within your Nokia X applications, um, you can take advantage of the Nokia X Here Maps API to do this. And they also have a Google Maps compatibility API. So if you're already using Google Maps in, in your Android apps, then you can use the same APIs to do uh, Nokia X maps on the Nokia X device. We generally like to mention uh, Xamarin meetups that are going on across the entire world uh, every podcast, and this podcast is no exception. So in addition to existing groups we already have, like the Seattle and New York City groups, uh, there are some new groups in Denver, Glasgow, South Florida, and some other locations. So you might want to check out the blog post if you're interested in some of the new groups. Um, I know for the Seattle meetup, which actually happened yesterday or the day before last, uh, Frank Kruger, who developed iCircuit, which was featured in Apple's stores uh, across the United States and world, um, he gave a talk entitled Introduction to iOS and C Sharp, which is all recorded, all up on YouTube for you to enjoy. So if you're interested in iOS development, uh, especially with Xamarin.iOS, this is a great place to start. Like I said, we have plenty of new groups in addition to those existing groups. Uh, the forums are a really great place to check out uh, if you're looking for a meetup around you. So you can find the forums at forums.xamarin.com. Uh, in addition to all the forums and everything, and the blog posts and everything like that, there's so many great resources via the Xamarin Community Sponsorship Program. So I run the Auburn Mobile Meetup, which is for Auburn, Alabama and surrounding areas. And we're a member of the Xamarin Community Sponsorship Program. And I know they send us lots of swag, provide some resources for us, which is really awesome. So if you're looking at maybe starting up your own Xamarin-related user group, uh, that would definitely be something you want to look into. So if you have questions, I would just check out the forums. A really neat component that we saw is one called Auto-Hide Navigation Bar created from iOS bits. And this is a way of when you have a navigation bar and you have a list of data, this is a really neat component which has a really nice animation for basically hiding the navigation bar as you scroll down. 
So now with iOS 7, uh, look and feel, you have that kind of thick navigation bar, but that also takes away from your list content. So having this navigation bar that auto hides when you scroll up, um, which is kind of similar effect that you've seen on Instagram and, and some other apps is, is really nice. So um, you can check that out, it's up on the component store and it's worth putting in, inside of your apps. In a previous podcast, we mentioned Chris Hardy's Days Until Christmas app, uh, which has now been ported to Xamarin.Android. Chris, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so we, we actually have Windows Phone, Windows Store, and iOS apps of uh, Days Until Christmas. And I've done a prototype on getting the Xamarin Android version uh, up and running, showing the code that I had from iOS, uh, Windows Phone, and, and Windows Store. Um, and with the work with uh, James Montemagno, um, managed to kind of finally get that across the uh, finish line and get it up in the uh, Google Play Store. So um, if you want to play around with Days Until Christmas, um, we're going to have the source code available for you. I'll link that into in the show notes. Um, it runs on the starter edition of, of uh, Xamarin.Android, so you can download the code, you can build your own um, Days Until Whatever uh, app, and then you can put that up on the Google Play Store yourself as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's up there. Uh, you might want to search for um, Chris NTR if you want to just search for it, just because that is easier than searching through the millions of other days until Christmas apps that are already in the store. Uh, it was also March even. Um, so that's probably an easier way of uh, searching for it. It's still snowing over in, in Boston as well. So um, it still kind of feels a little bit Christmassy until it starts being uh, nice and warm here. So if you're interested in uh, learning Xamarin.Android and you're a Windows Store or Windows Phone developer, then Mike Tolte from uh, Microsoft in the UK has a really good baby steps with Xamarin on Android uh, blog posts. And there's a, it's a four-part series where he starts off with a, uh, a simple Windows Store app where he uses the portable class libraries um, to build up an app where you can search for some, uh, an image. It will then bring back a load of results back from Flickr and then you can click on the image and, and see, see it in a, in a full screen. And what Mike then did is he took that uh, app and then he went and ported it over to Android. And he kind of writes about his uh, trials and tribulations of, of getting that up and running on, on the Android platform, um, how Xamarin helped him out uh, make that leap. Um, so if you are a Windows Store or Windows Phone developer and you want to get into Xamarin.Android, then I recommend these uh, blog post series. If you've written a Xamarin.Android app before, you probably know that uh, working with bitmaps, especially caching bitmaps, is quite the pain. Uh, so Brett Dunkovich from RDO has written a blog post series on how you can uh, cache bitmaps effectively using Xamarin.Android. So we all know that performance is very critical, especially on mobile. Uh, so this blog post just gives an overview of the process. And in some of the later blog posts, he goes into the actual details, which is really nice. Uh, especially if your app has tons of images or bitmaps, uh, this would definitely be something you want to look at. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of, of a lot of apps that you see these days take a full advantage of um, content that comes from the internet. So if it's a dynamic app, you may have images from either a user that they may have uploaded themselves, or you know, in the case of Audio, they're obviously dealing with a lot of uh, cover album artwork and. And, you know, they want to make an experience based off of that um, for individual albums. So um, I think it's going to be a common task that people are going to run into using images, using that on Xamarin.Android. And yeah, as you said, this is, this is a great blog post. So thanks for joining us on episode 10 of the Xamarin podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. You can follow me at Pierce Bogan. And I'm, I'm Chris NTR or Chris Hardy. And you can follow me at Chris NTR on Twitter. 
and we'll see you next time.